This is the Coaching Routes Podcast with Jay Sloan and Max Pendry, impacting lives through different routes on the same journey. Now, here's Jay and Max. Welcome back to the Coaching Routes Podcast. Today, we were joined by Associate Head Coach at Stanford, Adam Cohen. He got his start as a manager at Arizona after playing D3 ball uh, back closer to home. Uh, he was there for a few years and then got on as a GA at New Orleans for a year. Moved over to uh, USC as a video guy for a year, then got bumped over to Ops for a couple of years. Then got his uh, first chance as, as uh, an assistant at Rice from 2012 to 2013. Uh, moved on to Harvard as an assistant for a year and then Vanderbilt as an assistant for two years and then has been at Stanford since as an assistant and now as the associate head coach. Yeah, and for, for young guys like us, you know, you probably already heard of Coach Cohen just because of his involvement with rising coaches and um, just kind of coming from the same cloth that we are, non-high major players, you know, just like guys who had to really like grind it he's done he's kind of led the pathway for that and kind of showed how it can work if you really put your you know you put your head down and do it um but he dropped us his email and so we'll throw that and told told us we could pass it out so we'll throw that in the bio and we'll we'll, um, make sure that that's available um he's somebody that seems to be super approachable about these sort of things and i know max he's always been good to you and, and i'm excited to hopefully you know start talking to him more and stuff like that, but definitely reach out to him um, because he was more than open and honest and let us uh, share stuff. So hopefully you guys can take from some from this episode, but definitely the one thing I thought that was cool was when he started talking about the Nike basketball camp in China um, and how they uh, had to have an interpreter the entire time. And he had some unique things that I think guys like us can definitely take from. Yeah, uh, and his relationship with the coaches that he worked with, I think, stood out, you know. Um, and, you know, with Josh Pastner and and those guys, um, you know, clearly did a great job at each spot he was at and was just a grinder. He was just a worker. Like, the one thing that I thought, like, when we first started, like, stood out to me was his priority. He's like – Cause we asked him that question and you know, you guys will hear it, but he said like, you know, basketball and Arizona basketball was my priority. That's what made him, that's what made him yeah. stand out. I think that word and that mindset like makes a lot of sense. It just like, you know, makes, makes a lot of sense in, in terms of how you think about, I mean, it's simple, you know, you, you're going to prioritize this over everything else. Yeah. And so I think that made him, uh, good at what he you know did and made it helped him rise fast and i yeah i thought that the way he worded that was really good and i i think we all feel that way especially like when you're like a ga like you have school you know and you have your job but you're prioritizing your job you know maybe a little bit more than everything else but you know another thing i think that he's done a great job of at and I don't even know like I don't think he would ever say it's this I think he I think he's just a genuine guy and like has just done a great job um 
building the relationships with guys he's worked with, but his brand, I mean, like the way he's branded himself um, and how he's just like come into him, you know, come into where he is now. I mean, think about like, he's been at high academic schools. Like he must be known by head coaches is kind of like, okay, this guy, I know if I bring him to high academic institutions, like he can get guys, he's good with these, you know what I'm saying? Like he's kind of embraced that part it seems. And he's also been attracted by those people. And I think it is important to kind of like through your, your grind and your, your, your route to trying to, to have things that like, you know, I mean, obviously you want to be well-rounded and like be, do be able to do everything, but you know, you are maybe going to be drawn to a certain area or like you're going to have certain connections that help in a certain spot versus another. And I think he's done a good job all over the country kind of staying true to that. And like people seem to know what they're getting. Yeah. I think he also, the last thing that stood out to me with, uh, with his interview, um, you know, he's always asking himself, where can I grow? And like, you can look at his path and say, wow, he, you know, he kept jumping and kept jumping and moving and moving and like he said it himself, like he did not plan it that way. You can tell that he's being jet, like truthful in that. That's just, that's how it ended up working out. But he was just always pushing himself to grow, whether it was just in the job that he was doing or, um, or, you know, in uh, working with, with other coaches. Like he, was, he wasn't just like trying to, you know, jump around. Yeah. And I, th- I do think as like a basketball junkie and Max, I'm sure you, you feel this way sometimes too like you there is a curiosity with just like all these great coaches you know like all over the country all different levels like what you could take from guys at different spots and I have to assume you know especially as the level goes up in his his situation it'd be hard to turn like to to not go towards those things you know regardless of stature and like in like in, in you know maybe the dollar signs like just from the guys he's gotten to work with I mean how do you say no you know from that opportunity to grow um so I think it, it is good that he he has done that and he's had that but he also has shown loyalty because the people he has worked for still try to help him get jobs so like he's doing a great job balancing obviously doing that and growing and being under new coaches, but also like every single coach he's worked for has either offered him a job again at some point down the line, or they've helped him get a job, you know, so he must be doing a good job balancing both of those things um, where sometimes people can kind of teeter totter on those. And he's done a great job kind of sticking with that. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, we'll let you guys get to the episode um, without Without further talk from Jay and me, um, let's get to it. Welcome back to this week's Coaching Routes podcast with Jay Sloan and Max Pendry. This week, we're joined by associate head coach at Stanford, Coach Adam Cohen. Coach, how you doing? How's everything going your way uh, after the season just ended? Hey, appreciate you guys having me. Uh, really looking forward to this and all is well, man. Beautiful day in California. Just getting some work in and keep this thing going. Coach, how is the uh, is the transfer portal like? I mean, I know you guys are uh, an upstanding academic institution, just like uh, the rest of the country. But but is it how how is that affecting you guys uh, both? You know, from Stanford and and to Stanford. 
Yeah, different deal for us uh, compared to most other schools, uh, just because, you know, we kind of stick with the, the model of recruiting freshmen, high school kids, getting them better, developing them over time and, you know, going from there. Um, and we don't do a lot in the portal. I think there's been one undergraduate transfer in here in the last, I don't know, uh, 10, 12 years. 15 years. Um, and then, you know, on the way out, I think we've had one undergrad transfer out in the last, since we've been here in five years. So um, it's definitely different, definitely unique. I think there always could be a special circumstance where we can uh, recruit a transfer that has excellent grades and fits our culture, but we haven't had a lot of opportunities of that just yet. That, that lack of turnover has got to, I mean, that, that speaks volumes about what you guys do as a program and, and the uh, institution. I'm sure you guys saw that in recruiting, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we're just at a different place. You know, it's an incredible place. We always say for the right kid, the right family that can understand the bigger picture of what Stanford can do for you for the rest of your life, while still being able to play basketball at the highest level, there's really nothing like it. Yeah. Well, Coach, um, you started off uh, being a manager at Arizona, if, I, if I'm correct, back in the Lute Olson uh, days towards the end of his tenure. Uh, legendary coach for, you know, everybody to listen to this podcast should know who Lute Olson is. If you don't pause it, go look him up. Um, do you have any Lute Olson stories or anything else that you, like you can remember from your time around him that uh, maybe, maybe something funny, maybe something profound? You know, I'll tell you this. Um, coach Olson uh, had an unbelievable presence about him when he walked in the room, when he walked into practice court, when he walked into the office, um, it was a different feel, you know, he's big six foot five and um, just has a great sense of who he is. Uh, you know, we also worked with some amazing assistant coaches. Josh Passner was on staff, Jim Rosborough, who was associate head coach at Arizona for a long time. Miles Simon is now with the Lakers. Uh, Kevin O'Neill, who I worked with at USC as well, worked under Coach Olson. So it was an unbelievable learning opportunity for me being an 18, 19 year old kid trying to learn how to coach, learn what coaching was all about. And I'll just never forget the presence that Coach Olson had on the practice court, but also around the whole program. Yeah, Coach, and, you know, being a manager, um, you know, a lot of guys who are trying to think of ways to kind of crack this business and try to get their foot in the door. Um, is that – did you go to college knowing you wanted to coach and that's how you became a manager? Or how did that whole process kind of play for you and how you knew you wanted to get into this thing? Yeah, so as a junior in high school, I actually wrote handwritten letters to every college coach in the country. Um, I had no idea how to get into coaching. I knew I wanted to do something with basketball. I loved the game, had a passion for it. Uh, and fortunately, one night, I remember I was watching the Kings, I believe it was Kings-Lakers, way back in the day when they had their uh, big rivalry. Um, and, you know, Mike Bibby and all those guys and, and Josh Pastner, I'd wrote a letter to, and he called me that same night and me and Josh just formed a relationship. Uh, I went and tried to play division three basketball at Hobart college uh, in upstate New York, about two hours from where I was from uh, out of college, you know, out of high school. Cause I wanted to keep playing. I learned, I learned quickly that I wanted to coach playing wasn't for me anymore. Um, so I was fortunate to transfer to Arizona and coach Passner, coach Olson, that crew gave me an opportunity to be a manager. And I didn't know really what that meant. I didn't know anything other than I was going to fly 2,500 miles across the country and attempt to work for Arizona basketball. And it was a uh, incredible experience, was able to get my degree from there. And I worked with the team every day for three years. What do you remember about your, like, what was your mindset as a manager? Did you, you know, have a, a certain way that you went about 
you know, your work with the, the program or, or did you just kind of just soak up every minute of it or, or what? You know, it was my priority uh, would be the best way I could say it. You know, I wasn't um, really worried about much else other than seeing if we can help the team win and if I could learn and help the coaches in any way. Um, if guys wanted to work out at 11 o'clock on a Friday night, I'd be in the gym with them. If um, they wanted to, you know, if the coaches wanted to cut up at 7 a.m., I'd find a way to, you know, make sure that cut up is and film is all set. If, you know, we took film exchange so seriously, it was, you know, 10 years ago, we had to mail things out, FedEx, get it sent back and everything. It's amazing how that's changed. Um, but every single job was an incredible opportunity to showcase uh, yourself and be able to show that you can work at a high level and, and try to help the team win in any way you can. Uh, was around an unbelievable group of other managers who I still stay extremely close with uh, and, you know, video guys, ops guys uh, who are now coaching and uh, just an amazing, amazing experience. I have two thoughts. Um, one, when you were transferring out, was it, was your name as hot as some of these transfers are when you got picked up as a manager at Arizona or was it at different times then? No, nah, I don't think anybody knew my name. And that was, a, that was probably a good thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> transfer portal has created a, a circus out there for a lot of kids in terms of getting their name out there and everything else. For me, I just, I was amazed that I even had an opportunity to, to go to Arizona and be a part of that. It was, uh, it was really special. And coach Passner, that's not the first time I've heard that he's that like um, approachable with people that I've heard other stories of people that just reach out kind of cold and he just calls them right away or, or like, we'll text them right away. Like, can you tell us maybe what you like, what your take is on him and, and how you, how you view him in the profession? Yeah. He's just been a great mentor to me in, in every way. Um, and, you know, spending three years with him as a manager when he was an assistant coach uh, was unbelievable to me. I saw how he worked and how he recruited and how he was able to build relationships with the players Um and then, you know, since, since he left and my, uh, since he left, he went to Memphis and then obviously got the job at Georgia Tech and they had a great run last year, but I know I can always rely on him for advice, for viewpoints, talk basketball, talk recruiting, whatever it may be. Coach, so, so after your time at Arizona, um, I'm sure you were lo looking to break into the profession somehow. Uh, how did that, how, what was your mindset in that direction? And then talk to us about your kind of first opportunity to be, uh, on staff getting some sort of compensation, I would, I would assume. Yeah, um, I got really lucky. And I think obviously with all of us in this profession, as you work your way up, you need a bit of luck. You need, and you need really good people to take care of you. So for me, I mentioned Coach Pastner. Well, Coach Pastner knew Joe Pasternak, who was a former assistant at Cal Berkeley. He had just got the head job at University of New Orleans. He finished one year there at New Orleans and was looking for a grad assistant. So Josh um, ended up connecting me with Joe. Uh, I ended up flying down to New Orleans, met with Joe. Um, he, Joe had a similar background to Josh and I. He didn't play college basketball. He was a manager for Bobby Knight at Indiana. And uh, I ended up becoming a GA for, for Joe. Um, and now Coach Pasternak is doing great things at UC Santa Barbara. Uh, we still are extremely, extremely close. And uh, so that was my first break. And again, Coach Pastner had a lot to do with it um, in terms of getting me in touch with Joe. And then when I was with Coach Pasternak, uh, you know, I just kind of worked my butt off for him, tried to do the best we could. And and it's it's led to like a, a career long relationship with both those guys. And so 
you know, everybody's GA time is a little different. They have different responsibilities depending on the staff. Like what were some of the things you would do on a day-to-day or uh, maybe some of the projects you worked on that might help the young guys think of things to do? Man, he had me involved in everything. And wow, what an amazing experience in terms of rebounding for guys, helping with workouts, um, obviously video cutups. He's obsessed with watching film. Um, you know, when I think something that is really underrated is when the coaches are out recruiting, especially in the summer, the GAs, the video guys, the ops guys, you guys are in charge of the program um, because nobody else is on campus. And I think that's always hard for uh, a head coach to um, deal with when you're trying to have your eyes and ears on your own program, but you got to be recruiting. So when I was a GA, Coach Pasternak would give me a ton of responsibility to just be his eyes and ears and tell him what's going on with the players, um, fill him in from afar. And, you know, that was not an easy thing for a young head coach to um, be away from his team for, you know, weeks at a time in recruiting. And um, I, the responsibility I have and what I went through in the one year I was there as a GA really, really helped me, you know, develop as a coach and become better. Well, coach, so you spend one year there and then uh, you move on to USC as the video guy, if, if I'm correct. Um, you got a license to kind of brag on yourself for a second. And, and like, so why, like, you know, clearly you are, you've been brought in to, at Arizona because of your, uh, you know, your interpersonal skills and, and everything you brought to the table there. You were, uh, you know, Coach Passner helped you get on at New Orleans. Uh, you know, seems like you're on kind of a fast track. Uh, can you talk about sort of like that transition and what made you kind of appealing to coaches out there? Oh, I was fortunate to get this job at USC when Kevin O'Neill got the head coaching job at USC. And it was really late in the game. If you remember, USC had some sanctions with um, Tim Floyd and OJ Mayo and those things. And they ended up letting Tim Floyd go pretty late in the game. I think it was like June and uh, coach O'Neill ends up getting the job. I was close with him uh, from my time at Arizona when he ended up taking over for Coach Olson when Coach Olson had a health issue my senior year of college. So fortunately, um, when Coach O'Neill got the job at SC, he called myself and one of our other former managers as well from Arizona, and we kind of took the responsibilities of video and operations and just did a little bit of everything. So um, Coach O'Neill is another great mentor for me, taught me so much about defense and the game and everything else and uh, gave me an unbelievable opportunity to get back to the Pac-12 and uh, and grow. And it's kind of, life is all about timing. It's all about opportunities. And, um, you know, who knows what would have happened if I didn't end up going to USC. It just, you don't know how things work. And fortunately, he gave me a call um, when he got the job and was able to go there. And then again, after one year, you get promoted within the same program to ops. Um, how did that kind of come about? And did you, cause I know depending on same thing, staff dynamic, you know, ops video can be looked at at the same level or it might be, in a, you know, in a, some sort of promotion. How did you end up making that move? And, and what did you learn differently? Obviously in that side that kind of helped you from learning the program ins and outs to get to where you are now. Yeah. For us, basically myself and one of our other guys just split up the duties. Um, we kind of helped each other and worked together on it all. The, the title or whatever else didn't really matter to us. I think I did more 
I think my title may have been director of scouting at some point. Um, I don't really know what that meant uh, in terms of anything, but um, we just worked together on it. And, and I would say from video to ops in most programs could be an upgrade for us at USC. It really wasn't. It was just kind of an opportunity to work together with each other to figure out how to get things done. You spent another couple of years at USC uh, and then was you're able to break that assistant coach barrier uh, that's so tough for everybody. Can you talk about, um, you know, how you were able to make that jump to an assistant uh, to Rice? Absolutely. It goes back to the uh, relationship that I had before with Joe Pasternak. Um, Coach Pasternak was actually at that point the assistant at Arizona for Sean Miller. He had left New Orleans because the program went division three because of financial reasons. So he left New Orleans to go to Arizona and his former boss was Ben Braun at Cal Berkeley. Uh, coach Braun was, it was in need of an assistant coach and coach Pasternak recommended me to him. And next thing I know, I uh, go out there, I interview and was able to, you know, get an unbelievable opportunity at the age of, I believe it was 26, 25 um, to be an assistant coach in conference USA at Rice. And, and I'll tell you this, um, Rice, an incredible academic school. I had no idea what I was doing and I thought I would be ready to go in every way. Um, and, you know, you always, every year you're in this, you learn so much more uh, about the profession, about coaching, about how to deal with guys, um, et cetera. And for, for me, that, you know, one year, man, it, it helped me so much make mistakes. And, and Coach Braun gave me an opportunity to learn on the fly and just kind of figure it out as I go. What was, what was one of the hardest things for you to, to kind of learn? Well, the recruiting landscape was one, um, you know, just, you think you, you think, you know, uh, how to evaluate players. You think, you know, who could be a good fit uh, when you're in video or ops, cause you're watching film on these guys, but to actually, you know, be involved with signing a player is really hard. It's, you know, who, who matters, who's helping these kids with decisions. Um, how are you evaluating? What really matters? What goes into the evaluating process? Um, can you look under the hood and figure out who these kids really are? Uh, all that is, is incredibly important. Uh, and then, you know, the other part is just to see, we had an incredible defensive team. I kind of just thought, all right, we'll take these same principles, try to bring them over to rice and it would just be the same thing and work as hard and work that way. Unfortunately, you didn't have the same players and it doesn't work as easily. So it's just kind of learning on the fly, um, making mistakes, not knowing, <laughs> just not, you think you know what you know, and then when you go out there, so many things come up that you can't expect. Uh, Adam, you mentioned the recruiting landscape being new and kind of uh, a big learning curve. What were some of the things that you did? To, I mean, was it one of those things where it was just trial by fire where you just had to learn on the fly, obviously, or were there things that you uh, did to focus on, you know, building that strength? So I'll say this, like when I was an ops guy at SC, we ran elite camps, we ran team camps. And the first kid we signed at Rice was a, um, a kid named Max Gersey from Los Angeles, who we had got to know um, by team camp at USC. And he ended up starting the most games in Rice history, led them in assists. Uh, it was a spring signing, a late signing that nobody else was really recruiting. We got really fortunate. Um, and it was due to relationships that we had formed while, you know, we were running team camp at USC. So uh, what I would say is like the relationships you build in recruiting are obviously so important. Um, but at the same time, you know, you got to 
you got to be real and authentic with these coaches and these players and they make them understand that it's not just about you trying to get their players, but you're actually trying to get to know them um, and learn from them just like they're learning from you. You know, so you're from the Northeast and you went to school out in Arizona, you know, coaching, uh, you've been in sports staff out in the Pac-12. How did you get to like know the area? So when you did get a chance to get a job out in Texas, out in that more towards where you've been at, um, you were ready to recruit because, you know, come, like for me, it's like I'm from Ohio, Max is from Ohio. And like if I were to get a job anywhere else, it would be like a it'd be like a new, a totally clean slate. Like I really got to learn the area. Like how, what, are, what are some things you did to just kind of to learn where you were at, even maybe in your early years? So I'll say this, like when I went to Rice, I didn't know basically anybody in Houston. Um and that's Rice is right in Houston. Houston's obviously a hotbed for high school basketball and talented players. Um, so I took it as a challenge to like get to know the important people in the city, uh, learn the learn from the high school coaches there because there's a ton of great high schools. The other part that was great in the state of Texas was every day they have a basketball class at some point during their period. So whether it's 11 a.m., 12, 3, what after school, whatever it may be, their class they'd have a 45 minute class session. So when, when the recruiting period opened up, I would try to go to as many of those high schools, uh, whether they had players for us or not to get to know these coaches um, because there are so many good coaches in that city. And then you kind of work the rest of the state of Texas, whether it's Dallas um, or other places. And uh, those relationships that you build, you know, in those areas become pivotal. You get to know these guys, you get to know the AU programs, you get to know the great high school programs. And you just kind of work it from there. Um, the other part is being at high academic schools. There are certain great schools that we're always going to take a look at that always have academic kids, whether it's the New England prep scene or private schools in the state of California or private schools in the state of Texas. Like the high academic kids may go to those schools more than other schools. Um, so I think it's just getting to know the lay of your land when you're there, understand that it's going to take time to build real relationships. And, you know, when you are able to, build those real relationships, like they're valuable and they're worthwhile. And you may not sign a kid from there, but you may have um, the relationships needed to make you better as a coach, um, help you learn as a recruiter and kind of go from there. So coach, your, your last four schools really, I mean, ever since you became an assistant have been high academic uh, institutions. Do our head coaches looking for, I mean, is that experience with, having been on staff or coached and recruited to those institutions, um, very important for hiring head coaches that, that, you know, want to fill assistant spots? Uh, it's a great question. I, I think it can be looked at in a lot of different ways. Number one is we're going to recruit good kids. I don't want to recruit guys who I don't really like to be around, um, you know, in this process, even with the portal, the way it is, it's still a, multi-year decision for most of these kids. Um, so you want to get to know these families and the kids and you want them to be around your family. Uh, that's probably the most important thing to me is who are we recruiting? Are they the right type of people? Do they have the character, everything else? So I think that's important. The other part for me, this is an extremely challenging job to recruit for as well as the other academic schools because our pool is so small. Now it's Stanford, it's an incredible name. I think that that makes sense in a lot of ways. But the truth is our pool is smaller than anybody in the country. It is. There's very few guys that we can go after because of the academic rigors here. Um, so what we have to do is become a great evaluators. And by being here, it's made me 
I, I know for a fact I've grown as an evaluator. Um, you're never going to be perfect. I don't expect to be perfect, but um, I do spend a lot more time evaluating players, looking at what's really important to try to get them right. And coach, so, you know, back on your track now, you do a year at Rice, you end up next year going to Harvard. Can you kind of talk about how that, that transition go went and, and um, some of the things you learned on, along the way? Yeah, it was really hard. Every place I've been, it's been really hard for me to leave. Um, at Rice, you know, it was, we had a tough year. We had lost a lot of guys the year before um, from a team that was really good. And so we were rebuilding. Uh, and then Harvard was in an incredible place. You know, they went to the NCAA tournament the year before, uh, had a great team coming back. Uh, and, you know, what happened was one of their assistant coaches, Yanni Huffnagel at the time, took a job as a assistant at Vanderbilt. And that opened up a spot on Coach Amaker's staff. Um, I knew a couple of Coach Amaker's assistants really well, including the guy who had left. And, and Coach Amaker had kind of always seen me on the road um, recruiting similar guys at Harvard because a high academic deal. So it was kind of a natural fit in terms of um, recruiting the same type of player uh, with the academic profile. And uh, fortunately, got an opportunity to meet with him and. I was, I ended up only working for him for a year because the year after that, I ended up going to Vanderbilt. Um, but it was an amazing year. We won a game in the NCAA tournament, um, learned a ton uh, from him about building a culture and communication um, and everything else. So uh, it was, yeah, a wild, wild scenario. I, I always say this and I really mean it. Um, never in my life have I ever planned any of these stops, I guess you could say. It's just kind of worked as it's happened and um, been really fortunate to be in some great places. I'm sure we could fill a whole podcast with each year. Uh, I mean, even for, you know, Jay and me being, uh, you know, young guys in the profession, we could do the same thing. But um, so, you, so you get on at Vanderbilt. Uh, and so you guys, your success, I'm sure, had some, uh, some things to do with that. Um, and then obviously your reputation. Can you talk about that transition from Harvard to Vanderbilt and those two years you spent there? Yeah, um, another incredibly difficult decision to leave Harvard and go to Vandy. Um, I, I'll tell you this, this came about out of nowhere, uh, really out of nowhere. Um, Coach Passner um, knew someone who knew Coach Stallings and they were looking for an assistant coach. And uh, I never talked to Kevin Stallings in my life. Uh, but I had respected him from afar because he was an unbelievable basketball mind, especially offensively. And so I said, you know what, why not? Let's look at it. And um, my girlfriend at the time, we, you know, she's from Los Angeles. We had no ties in the Northeast other than my family is from Buffalo, New York. Um, so why not? Let's look at it. It's the SEC. It's an amazing challenge. Um, but I was so happy at Harvard. Like I was, I would learn so much. We were doing so well. Um, so I ended up going down to Nashville, interviewing Coach Stallings. Um, again, Josh Passner kind of was the connection that put us together in the first place. And uh, from there, Coach Stallings, um, I really enjoyed our conversations. Uh, he pushed me really hard in, in the interview process about, you know, how I can help their program. Uh, and, you know, that two years there, our first year there, we had a team with the entire backcourt was freshmen in the SEC. They didn't have one guy on the roster that wasn't a freshman at the one, two, or three. And so um, to be able to put a good team out there was pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, 
and to learn from that, to get the most out of those guys. Uh, we ended up going to the NIT, uh, to the Elite Eight, the NIT that year. And then the second year we went to the NCAA tournament um, and then coach Stallings decided to take the job at Pitt. And that's where, you know, we all are in this business. You try to figure out what net what's next. And uh, I was set to go with him to Pittsburgh was pretty excited about it. Great opportunity, ACC, the whole deal. And then the Stanford opportunity came about and uh, really fortunate coach has took a leap of faith in me. And so for guys who are maybe at a crossroads with two great, maybe even three great opportunities, what, What's your advice and what made you end up going to Stanford versus going to Pitt? Well, first thing is like, you got to put things in perspective. Like I'm 29 at the time and I'm deciding between going to Stanford or Pittsburgh as a assistant coach. Like how amazing is that? Right. And uh, I'll tell you though, I, I really struggle with these decisions because of the relationships you build with everybody. Uh, I don't know if I'd be the right person to ask that question to, because you look at the pros and cons, but you also, um, you never know the right answer. Um, what I would say is I always look to myself and say, you know, where can I learn? Where can I learn? Where can I grow? What's best for our family? Um, I think those are pretty simple considerations. Uh, and I think once you feel like you're not learning as much as you hope you would, it may be a good time to have an opportunity to go somewhere else. You take it. But at the same time, um, both were incredible opportunities. I couldn't have been more excited about either. Um, but the Stanford one, I just thought there's only one Stanford and, uh, you know, wanted to get learn from another guy. I think that's a really underrated thing too, is the more head coaches you work for, I'm not saying people should leave every single year to go somewhere, but it's really helped me. It's really helped me learn from different guys and see what they value compared to other coaches. And then also bring new ideas that you've learned from other coaches to help your current program. Uh, it's been really beneficial. Uh, Coach, one thing that Jay and I were talking about before uh, the podcast tonight, uh, we noticed in, in your bio that you'd done a camp over in China, and I don't know, uh, like a Nike skills camp or something, uh, and we were talking about, like, we, we don't know anything about, you know, international camps or stuff like that. How did, how did, uh, how did you end up over there, and what, how, what was that like? Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, that was, um, <laughs> that was my senior year of college. Uh, so I was really young uh, going into my senior year and out of nowhere, um, Matt Brazi, who was coach Olson's grandson, who was our director of operations at the time. He also, now he, well, he was the head coach of the Rio Grande G league team. He won coach of the year. He was an assistant with the Rockets the last couple of years. So he's a good friend. Um, anyway, Matt somehow through Arizona and through Nike um, got offered kind of an opportunity to, coach at a camp in China um, for two weeks and he needed a few other guys to go. So he offered me an opportunity to go with him. Uh, you know, you're 20 years old, whatever it was, and you're going to China to just go teach basketball to some young kids. Uh, pretty amazing. Right. Um, so took advantage of it. Uh, was pretty, it was out of nowhere. It was just someone reached out and Matt took care of me with that one for sure. What, or, Sorry, go, Jim, go ahead, Jeff. What were the dynamics like? Was there like a translator or did you, or were they pretty fluent in English or how, how'd that whole thing work? No, they couldn't speak English at all. Basically we had our own translator um, who came with us to get into a cab, um, stayed in the hotel where we were located. We were there for about 10 days uh, and they would have camps in the morning, camps in the afternoon. Um, and it would be basically, you know, I think it was like three or 400 campers at each session and you do it for, 
you know, 10 days, a couple of different camps uh, and everything you would say, whether it's like stations or however you'd organize it, you'd have a number of Chinese coaches that would be there. We kind of work under you. Um, but it was, it was really cool. Very different. Wow. That's incredible. I know. I, I know I took a hard back turn with the, uh, with the timeline there, but uh, good. I ask you about that. And then I also, so uh, how I learned about you, I think you were at Vanderbilt at the time, but you know, through rising coaches and we've had, uh, um, rising a couple of rising coaches guys on, um, and you know you were one of the uh, one of the first guys out there with rising coaches. Can you talk about kind of how that started and how that's been, uh, you know, in your involvement with them? Yeah, it's it's amazing uh, how that's grown over the years. I think it was two thousand nine, maybe two thousand ten, the first year that rising coaches started, and the way it started was Adam Gordon. Um, posted something, or I don't know, I read it online somewhere that, you know, they're trying to put together this conference for young coaches to learn how to move up and learn different people's paths and try to figure it all out. Well, I reached out to Adam, just kind of cold called him or maybe sent an email or something. And he called me back and said, Hey, yeah, like come get involved. We're just starting this thing up. We have no idea where we'll go or how to go, but we're going to have a two day conference in Las Vegas. Um, we'll have a number of speakers and, you know, We'll just kind of hear their path and see where it goes and try to network ourselves. So, okay, fine. And got to know a lot of other great young coaches, Andy Farrell, who's now at Dayton, Michael flies, head coach of Florida Gulf coast, uh, Marlon Stewart's an assistant at Oregon state. I mean, the guys go on and on and on. We stay in contact with each other all the time. There's a number of guys who have now gone into the NBA from that first conference that we had. And so since then, obviously it's grown into something very different. Uh, Adam Gordon now runs the entire thing uh, with help from other guys. Uh, but it's just amazing. Like it's coaches helping coaches. It's young coaches trying to find a way to figure out their path. Um, and I've, I take a lot of pride in it because I've been in all your guys position where I was a manager at GA. I've, I've literally done every position in college basketball um, on the coaching side or the support staff side. So I know what it's like. I've done those hours. I've done those duties. Um, and I, I've been fortunate that people have taken care of me to allow me to continue moving up. And uh, that's why I always, you know, have an opportunity to help in any way, you know, would love to. And coach, and that's kind of what my follow-up was going to be, you know, for, for guys like us, you know, like we, none of us were former division one players that maybe played in the NBA for a little bit. Like we're guys that in entering the business, we're nobodies, you know, like we're just another guy who wants to coach basketball. What's your advice for the next guy that maybe is thinking about doing this, that's maybe leaving high school or college. What, what's your advice for those guys that are, are trying to crack this thing? So the number one thing I would say would be to be around great people. Um, if you're working for a program where number one, you don't believe in your head coach or number two, you don't like how things are, are done. It may not be the right fit for you. And you probably should look into something else. Uh, you have to be around good people that can help you grow. And, uh, the other thing I think is extremely important is, um, why are you actually in coaching? Is it to develop, you know, players and develop young men, or is it to try to be on TV? Because if you, if that's the goal, like it's not going to happen. It just won't. Um, if you want to help these guys achieve their dreams, you know, build those true lasting relationships that mean something forever. Like that's why I'm doing this. And I, and I have a great passion for competing and basketball and everything else. I mean, uh, 
the first recruit that I was ever involved in recruiting, Max Kersey, the guy I mentioned earlier at Rice, uh, he was at my wedding, you know, and that's the kind of relationship that um, I hope to have with all of our guys uh, eventually. Yeah. Well, and that's why we we're trying to do this stuff is because, uh, you know, it's, it's not about, it's not about the, the glory. It's a very inglorious job. The first maybe couple of years could be 15 years, but coach, we really appreciate you coming on. We know you got workouts. You're a busy guy uh, running around doing your thing over there. So we wish you the best of luck and thanks again for, for coming on. Hey, no problem guys. And thanks for having me. Um, I'll put my email address just in the chat. I know, you know, you guys can share it with everybody. Uh, feel free to reach out anytime, uh, whatever I can do to help. And um, yeah, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this week's Coaching Routes podcast with Jay Sloan and Max Pendry. I want to give a special thanks to Associate Head Coach at Stanford, Adam Cohen, for joining us this week on the podcast. Please take a second to rate and subscribe to our podcast on the Apple Podcast app. And also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at CoachRoutesPod. Thanks and have a great week.